it's truly like the epitome of if you help enough people get what they want in life, you can have anything you want. And, and that's really what this company has allowed us to do. So we just obsess over how do we help more people? How do we pour in more people and do more? Uh, there's a lot of stories about it, but it's there's a lot of powerful words that start with EXP. Exponential, expansion, expert, expertise. Like there's a lot of words that are really powerful that start with that. Start by joining a team. Don't try to do it on your own. Knowing everything I know, having sold 4,000 homes, I would still go join a team today. You don't want to learn on your own dime. Learn on somebody else's dime. Understand that somebody has gone through so many trials and tribulations to build this team that they have built, that it will take you so long to build the same thing. World-class lessons from the real estate industry's top 1%. Empowering agents to think bigger and do more to create life by design. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Light It Up Podcast. We are thrilled to have with us today team leader of the Whistle Realty Group out of San Diego, California, Kyle Whistle. Thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, I'm stoked to hang with you. And you guys have some liquor over there. I feel uh, I feel like I left out. but We're, we're a few hours ahead of you, uh, you know, time zone wise. But uh, yeah, right now it's six o'clock ish on Thursday. So we're starting a little bit early, but yeah. Uh, Stoked to have you here, man. Uh, I know your team did about 500 transactions last year, close to $400 million in overall volume. Super impressive. Yeah, man. Uh, and you were a huge reason that we went over to eXp. Uh, so we thought uh, it only made sense to have you come over and, and uh, spend some time with us today. So thank you for being yeah, here. I'm excited for it. It sounds like you guys run a, a unique format, so it'll be fun. Yeah, we like to think so. It's going to be a little torture interrogation, but it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, and I should should I tell our our little tell intro story. story here? So, yeah. you know, funny story, Kyle. I'll make it quick. Um, last February, uh, Kiro says to me, "Hey, I'm on this mastermind with some big dogs like Lee Marcus, Ed Kaminsky, also in uh, Fast Forward, and you know some other big players, and that we all know from Mike Ferry." And he's like, "Hey, listen, they're going to this mastermind." It's in San Diego. It's cold as hell out here mm -hmm. right now in Jersey. Let's go to uh, San Diego. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. We get on the plane. We're like halfway over there. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is another EXP event. He, he missed the best part. It was completely sold out. So then oh. John emails you. Go ahead. <laughs> I had emailed you. I think I, I think it was Kyle directly, right? Yeah. And I said, dude, I fucked up. I said, I bought tickets to the fast forward event, but we hadn't yet bought our flights. And uh, so no, no, you said oh, I no, bought the flights. I'm sorry, we bought the flights, but we forgot to buy the tickets for the fast forward event, and now it's sold out. You got to help us out. You got to help us out. And I think I may have said something like, "Hey, my boss is going to kill me," <laughs> or something like that. But I don't know if we need to go into that. But you were nice enough to hook us up, and thankfully, um, that event changed everything for us. We uh, were yeah. super impressed with what you guys were doing over there. But the funny part I'll tell you is that halfway over on the flight, I was like, "Dude, this is another EXP event. This is going to be a recruiting thing." And then I think day three, I finally said to Kiro, we were having lunch. I was like, dude, is someone going to like ever pitch us? Like, how come nobody's talking to us about EXP? And I'm like, dude, I feel like the ugly girl at the dance. <laughs> like, no one's talking. Like, why has nobody like, you know, as a salesperson, like we always want to be sold. And I'm like, no yeah. one's actually asked us yet. Yeah. Like, this is weird. I want to know, like, what's going on? And uh, I think day four or something, we connected with Colton, had some really good conversations with him. And, you know, once we came back, we asked more questions and jumped on a lot of Zoom calls and. He was nice enough to fly out here and do an event for us, and the rest is history. So yeah. now we're over. 
Yeah. And you guys got to come here in February, go out on a boat, go walk on the beach. Yeah, man. We did the bonfire, all that good stuff. He wasn't going to come back. Uh, You know, he was just like, why do we live in Jersey? This is a joke. But (laughs) well, dude, you, I mean, you were in New York this week, you know? Yeah. I went to a, I went to a Bills game and I was like, so this is what it would be like to live in a snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally what I felt like being at that game. It was a, it was a lot. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Before we jump into lightning round questions, how was it being a part of the bell, uh, ringing the bell at the end of the, uh, the trading day? Yeah, so we got to ring the closing bell on NASDAQ, um, which was just, it's like such a surreal experience, you know, something you watched on TV a long time and um, you've heard about, thought about, and then to get the, the opportunity to go and be a part of it was crazy. And then I almost don't know if it was cooler, the bell or like, then they were shooting photos while we were in there and we walk outside and now all the photos they shot are like up on the wall, like seven stories tall in the middle of Times Square. That's sick. Um, so like seeing your face on the building in Times Square, like that was really freaking cool. That's really cool, man. Yeah. We're yeah. 20 minutes from Times Square. So nice. Uh, I know exactly what building you're talking about and that's gotta be a good, a good feeling, man. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool. All right, let's get right into it. All right. You go? Yeah, you go first. All right, Kyle. So, you know, the other funny story that I always like to share, and I'm not going to make this long-winded, is that Colton told us, he's like, dude, I hate cycling. I hate Peloton, but I got a Peloton just to become part of Kyle Whistle's accountability group. So I like to bust his balls for that. Yeah, and Colton's got arms like this big, but he buys a peloton bike like <laughs> he must be like bench pressing like while he rides the bike <laughs> all right with his hands if anything all right man so let's jump into it what mistake kyle do you keep making over and over again um mistake i keep making over and over again probably just underestimating how long stuff takes um and end up just falling behind on stuff and it's super frustrating so i think that's a big one is is not understanding how long it's going to take to do something or to implement something in the business and then um setting myself up for failure because i i underestimate that stuff a lot would you say that's because you're impatient and you want results like immediately I think part of it is, I think in my head, if I did it, it would take this long and and understanding that everybody else works at a different speed than I do. Um, And so tempering those expectations is a little bit challenging. Mm. Yeah, I can relate to that. What do you regret not doing when you were younger? Um, In real estate or just in general? In general. Okay. Um, When I was younger... I wish I would have been more social and partied more. I was uh, I was so nerdy in school. Like I had super high GPA. I got like full ride through college, which was all cool. But like I didn't party enough in school. Um, like I wasn't like I got invited to the parties and stuff, and I just didn't go do that. I wish I would have like went and got wasted in high school, <laughs> and, like and, and lived that life for a little while. So I regret that. You know, I'd expect that I you think you turned had out that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What you got next? Who in your life inspires you to be better? Uh, Elon Musk. I think that guy, like, we don't even understand that guy's brilliance yet. Like, the stuff that he's doing. I mean, this guy's literally, like, launching rockets into space and revolutionizing the car industry and then the solar industry. Like, that guy's doing so much stuff where 
you know, people tell him you can't do that. That's not possible. He just says, fuck you. And watch me. That guy's amazing. So he inspires me to do more. Like when you think you're, you're like, you're crushing it. This guy's like, Oh, we're going to launch SpaceX now. That's cool. Uh, we're going to do this. I'm going to take over Twitter and change everything. Like he's just, he's so far ahead of anybody else in the world right now. He's like the Einstein of our generation. Yeah, no, he is a master marketer too. Yeah. Um, what are you most looking forward to in the next 10 years? Uh, next 10 years is to effectively be retired and just travel the world. I, uh, I didn't do nearly enough traveling when I was younger. And I was just like, so I'm just, I love America. I'm going to stay in America. And I always felt really awkward when I went to other countries. But now I like kind of embrace that more. Like I want to go travel Europe and Africa and all these other countries continents really yeah. um, and just experience them like just entrench myself and my family and the culture and just meet random people and do random things not have agendas and, and just kind of go with it and experience a lot more of the world because in my eyes like if I die and all I know is the United States like did I really live if I didn't explore the world that's a good point you should reach out to Mark Pattinson about that because apparently he's yeah. doing like several trips of like a year Super yeah, he travels a lot. He just did an epic Africa trip that I'm super jealous of. Same. <laughs> All right. Last question here. How do you get in the way of your own success? Shit, dude. I don't know that. That's a weird one. Do you want to change it over? Uh, do you want to opt a different yeah. question? That's fine. I got another one here, but I don't... How do I get in the way? Because I don't want to work more. I could work more hours, but I don't want to. So I could, I could be more successful, at least in business if I worked more hours, but I refuse to work 60, 70 hours a week. Like I'm at a point now I've gotten to last year. I got to where I was working from home on Fridays. Nice. Now I'm down to like two hours on a Friday. By the end of this year, I want to be off on Fridays. Um, so in theory, I could work 60 or 70 hours and do a whole lot more, um, but I don't want to. So what did you say? It comes down to trying to get more done in less time. Yeah. For sure. Just how to be more efficient, how to delegate, how to, um, you know, have other people run stuff and, and just let it go. See, it's interesting to hear someone at his level say that you're struggling with that, right? <laughs> it's like no, a common it, struggle. It makes things up. Yeah. That that's not going to go away, right? You know, when we met in, in February, before that, we came from a strong uh, Mike Ferry background where it was just always about making coaching, like calls, make calls, outbound calls, prospect. Um, the power of leverage, SOPs, systems, procedures, all of that was very foreign to us. Um, and when Colton, after he spoke, and I know you pushed him to speak at that event, he shared a QR code of his showing agent SOP. And then we were there, we were just like, oh, they're sharing stuff here, huh, shit, all right. So then we're like taking notes and it was just so much value that we got out of that. You know, it, it's, it's, I'm just very curious to know how you started personally for you, right? Because it's almost like you have an individual phase where you're focusing on yourself, then you grow a small team, and then you've effectively built a community, you and Dan, with the Fast Forward movement, and that community has taken a life of its own. Can you share that journey with us? So back to like starting in real estate? Yep. Yeah, so I've never worked a day in real estate without an assistant. So I've had an assistant since day one. Um, I'm big on that, you know, mindset of if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. Um, so I knew that from the very beginning, there was a lot of dumb stuff you could waste your time on in this industry. And I didn't want to waste my time on that kind of stuff. So I, you know, when I first started, we were going after short sales pretty heavy and we were literally like taking yellow lined paper and we would type out a letter on a computer 
And then we figured out how to line up. We use like a handwritten font, figure out how to line up the spacing. So it would print onto a yellow letter. And then we would like stuff the envelope and mail them out. Like that was like one of the first things I did to generate business. And we didn't use a third party. I had an assistant do that for me. So he's literally would sit there and like feed the yellow line paper into the printer, make sure it lines up, put it in the envelope, send them out. Like I've just always had an assistant since day one. Um, I, I hate all of the little tasks. I see people screw this stuff up all the time where they say like, oh, well, I can do that. So I don't have to spend money on it. Like, I mean, I see people um, door drop flyers, for example, is one that I see a lot of people do. They're like, oh, well, I can just do it myself. I don't want to pay somebody else to do that. I'll just do it myself. And so instead of paying somebody, whatever, 10 bucks, 20 bucks an hour to do it, they're like, I'll just do it myself. And in theory, you're, yeah, you are saving 10 or 20 bucks an hour because you're not paying somebody to do it. Simultaneously, you're costing yourself a hundred bucks an hour. Hopefully that's what you value your time at. And so in theory, the net on that is negative 80 bucks every time you save 20 bucks and people don't think about that stuff enough. And they wonder like, why am I not getting to that next level? And it's because you're spending all your time on dumb shit instead of actually, you know, working and making money. And and I hear people like, well, I don't have enough work for an assistant. I don't need one. It's like, yeah, you have enough work because you're doing dumb shit, like dropping flyers at doors. Like if you're knocking doors, hey, that's cool with me. Like that's, that's a hundred dollar an hour activity, but just running around, like dropping stuff under people's doormats, like that's not a hundred dollar an hour activity. So what if you paid somebody to do that? And then in the same time, after they're dropping them, you're on the phone calling all those people following up saying, Hey, I want to make sure you got the piece I dropped off to you. Like that's what you should be doing. But I find a lot of people, they just want to like fill an eight hour day. If they fill an eight hour day, they feel like they were successful. But like, what did you do with that eight hours? Because if it was out there dropping flyers on doors or stuffing envelopes or printing letters, like that's stupid. That you didn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say from an early age, you always found it really important to, to, you know, you valued your time and you figured out like leverage early on. Yeah. People just don't do that enough. They just don't think about that. Like, um, I Uber eats and DoorDash in an average week, probably 10 times between like business and personal, like at home and people like, Oh, that's crazy. You're spending like an extra $10 in fees to do that. I'm like, okay, dumbass. Like, why don't you cut off your day? Like stop what you're doing. Cause people don't understand disruptions enough. Like once you stop what you're doing, you have momentum. You're just going to completely cut it off. And then you're going to get in your car. You're going to go drive over to whatever McDonald's will just run with that. Like you're going to go drive 10 minutes over to McDonald's. You're going to sit in the drive-through line for 10 minutes. You're going to drive 10 minutes back. Like you just wasted 30 minutes of your time and you completely disrupted your day. Yeah. Well, if your time's worth a hundred bucks an hour, those 30 minutes you just spent, that was $50. So you, I'm a dumbass because I spent 10 bucks in extra fees. No, you're a dumbass. You just lost 50 bucks with your time. So like I obsess over stuff like that. I think it's crazy that people don't all drive electric cars. The gas station to me, like that pisses me off to no end. Like you're, you're ready. You're going to an appointment like, oh shit, I need gas. Now you got to like, again, you got to cut it off. You got to divert away from like whatever it is that you're doing. And then, dude, I'm the guy I pull up to the gas station. Sure as shit. Like every pump's full. So now you're like, (laughs) I pick one and I pick one. And then turns out there's nobody in the car. They're inside. And I'm like, all right, well, hopefully they're just getting changed. Right. Like, cause there's still weirdos that pay with cash. So hopefully they're just in there getting changed. No, 
Betty's in there fucking grocery shopping, right? Like she's <laughs> in the store for like 15 minutes, getting her Funyuns, getting, you know, Pringles got getting her all her snacks for the day. And then she comes out and starts pumping. And then she's like squeegeeing her windows. <laughs> Five bucks go through a car wash. So she's squeegeeing your fucking windows. The pump's done. She's still squeegeeing. She doesn't care. The pump's done. Then she looks and she's like, oh, I got to get my change. So then she goes back into the grocery store, back into the, the convenience store. And she's like, oh, it's time for some dessert now. So now, like, do I get bonbons? Do I, do I get a tip witch? Like, by the time she's done, like, 30 minutes have passed. Like, that's my life. <laughs> I want to meet this Betty. I, I, feel like, I feel like you're definitely a fan of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David. So then what's the journey after that? So you had an admin as soon as you started. That's when. Yeah. So I did that. Um, we were doing, I did a lot of short sales initially because that was just what was hot at the time. So I got in this thing in like 08 when short sales foreclosures were big. Um, so I did a lot of that. Then I started kissing ass to work with banks and get in on their REO departments or their foreclosure departments. Um, so then I started getting listings from the banks and I got to a point, I was like, man, I have way too many listings and I got all these buyers coming in. I don't have time for them. So I hired a few agents and I was just like, Oh, my, my buddy, Arjun, my buddy, Zach, like you guys come be my agents. Um, and they couldn't convert shit. Like I didn't train them. I didn't hold them accountable. I didn't lead them. I didn't do anything. They never converted any leads. And so then I got to the point, I was like, it was sitting, it was on a black Friday. I don't remember what year it was, but I was sitting on black Friday. And at that time I had like a hundred square foot office and it was me and an assistant and these two agents who had come in randomly. Um, and I was sitting there on a black Friday and I was, uh, got an ad from Dell and computers were on sale. And then I was just like, man, fuck this. I'm going to go big. And I bought 10 computers and I had a hundred square feet at the time. Mm. Um, so I bought 10 computers. I was like, all right, I got 10 computers. I need an office to put these things in. Um, so then I went and I leased an office and I was like, all right, I got computers. I got an office. Now I need people. And I pretty much hired anybody and everybody. Like if they could fog a mirror, it was just like getting loans at the time. Like if you could fog a mirror, you could come work for me. Yeah. I hired anybody and everybody. And I lost my face off that first year. Um, because I had, you know, I had people that were 20 years old and I've had people that were 120 years old. Um, and we were spending more time on like tech support and everything else than we were like actually teaching people how to sell homes. Mm. Um, so it was a, a valuable lesson in understanding culture for me and understanding like who to hire that fits our culture. Cause we're, I was, you know, at that time I was like 20 something. So like super young, super tech savvy. And I'm over here hiring, you know, senior citizens. Like it just wasn't a fit for us. Um, so once we started to like really understand our culture, that year we went from 82 transactions to 242 transactions nice. um, because we had really good tech and then we got the right people that knew how to use it. Like that was a huge leap year for us. Um, so we pretty much never had a down year ever. Um, last year was close, um, but we still managed to finish up a little bit from the year before. Um, now we're sitting at 85 agents. We just um, did a partnership with another big team of 15. So they just um, joined us. Nice. So we're up to 85 agents now. We have four offices um, across San Diego and then Riverside County um, here in Southern California. And the development that you had to go through personally to go from a person, you know, who's just, you know, two agents and an admin to leading a team to now having 85 agents. What did you see in yourself? Like if I was a, if I was a friend of yours that saw you grow in that process, what would I say were the biggest changes through every part? Um, just understanding that I win through people. Like I don't have to do it all myself. I like my peak year, I did over a hundred units myself. 
um, it's hard to like pull back from that. Like when you're selling that much to go from selling a hundred to now um, selling nothing, like that's, that's really hard to do. Um, so I think, you know, the thing, the transformation people saw for me is like shifting from being a real estate agent to a business owner um, and understanding that like the way that I win is by helping other people win. Mm -hmm. And so shifting my mindset to where like, I don't have to do it all. I need to bring people in that can do it for me. But the way that I'm going to win is when I help them win. The more that they win, the more that I win. Yeah. How did you make that transition? I think that's thing, something that a lot of people struggle with. How did you slowly pull yourself out of the listing agent position and, and sort of migrate into that team leader? Um, probably when I wanted to stab somebody <laughs> over like a stupid refrigerator that they took like i just found myself in all gonna need those... more info on that <laughs> <laughs> you guys are from jersey it's cool this is like what you guys do in business it's normal yeah. says no you need to shank him <laughs> shank i just got so sick of like the dealing with all the little negotiation stuff all the little pieces of drama that come up in every transaction like being at people's beck and call 24 7 like i kind of got over that so the thought of like not having to be running around town, working nights, working weekends, like to be able to pull back from that, that was really attractive to me. So um, I kind of fell in love with the, the vision of not being the guy who's out there all the time. Yeah. But don't you still have the drama within your office, agents, you know, coming, going, you know, people not wanting to, to. Yeah, not as much. But what it does, though, I can still have my nights and weekends, which is the big thing. It's really hard as an agent to not work nights and weekends. Like that's really, really tough to do. So the thought of like not having to do that. And then I've always just loved to build things. Like, so I, it started to become very sexy to me to, to build um, a business, to build an empire. Um, that was just really sexy. I like building things. It's always something like my whole life. I've always like, I'm going to go do this and then I figure out how to build it into that. Um, so that's just, I get a high off of that. Yeah. Being able to create something out of nothing. But the biggest thing that you do on top of that is other than the team, you operate and run the fast forward movement as well, right? Yeah. So we have, um, I don't know how many unique people it is because Dan Beer and I are partners on this thing, but I think we're around eight or 9,000 people in that group. Which is insane because at the event itself, you led the hike. Um, I, I just remember we were at the coffee shop. We were pissed. It was closed. And <laughs> we were like, all right, well, we'll wait. We'll see what happens. And then it was like a really fun actual like like climb whatever the case it was um i feel like i think you said like you gave like a speech and then dan gave a speech and like it was it was really really cool to see like two individuals be like they're real estate professionals but they were leaders in this culture that they built um and they were almost like pushing everybody next to them and everybody that we would talk to had nothing to say but highly like speak very highly of you guys um how did you guys transition from business owners into people who built a big culture in like a national level yeah i mean it, that's like probably one of my proudest things in my life right now like outside of my making kids like making this fast forward movement is, is really cool um you know we've built this thing from you know just dan and i to thousands and thousands of people i think we're in all 50 states we're in five i think i might have just brought somebody in in australia six countries now um like that's pretty cool to have built something like that yeah. Um, and so we started to realize like, Hey, we're doing a lot of great stuff locally with our teams and we still have our own respective teams here in San Diego, we're actually really competitive, um, with each other. But we realized like with the EXP thing, and, and if we came together, 
um, along with Mary Maloney, who helped get it up and running with us too. Like if, if we can all come together and combine our collective genius, we could really do some epic stuff and change a lot of lives. And so we realized like a three of us, we can do more than just what we're doing with our teams, which at that time, I think I was like 20 something people. Um, we could impact a lot more people than just locally. But if we just grow our teams locally, that's, it's slow and there's barriers to entry. It's restrictive. It's, it's hard. So by going to a company like EXP that was cloud-based, like it allowed us to remove all those barriers. Like if we wanted to have a team in um, Wisconsin tomorrow, we could do that, right? If we want a team in Jersey tomorrow, we could do that. Um, It removed a lot of those barriers that held us back because there was a a thing around that time that um, Keller Williams was pushing with like expansion. It's like, oh, you're going to go to this new city and you're going to find one person you're going to build around them, but you're going to like pay for a, a, a platform like a KV core platform for them. And you're going to pay for a CRM and you're going to pay for all these things for them. I was like, that's stupid. Like there's so much risk going into these markets. There's so much financial responsibility going into these markets. Like that's not what I want to do. And we saw that EXP was a better platform for us to build on to where we could go into all these markets all around the country and, and now all around the world. And we don't have any of the downside of financial responsibility or legal responsibility for any of those people, but we do get to participate in the upside. So EXP takes the downside for us. We get to participate in the upside because as we bring people into the group and we help them grow, like Colton, who you guys you know have mentioned, Colton, um, when we met him to where he is today, he's grown his business like 300%, which is really cool. And because we've helped him grow, he's bringing more revenue into the company and the company shares that back with us. Yep which is really cool. So we're getting to participate in the upside. Also, if Colton went and killed somebody tomorrow, I'm not part of that. I got no liability, <laughs> right? Like, um, I don't have any of that downside. So it's cool that like, it's a, a platform in EXP that takes all the downside risk off the table for us. And they pay for the CRMs and all this stuff, right? Like I don't have to pay for any of that, but I do get to participate in the upside. And the more I help him grow, the more I help Mary Maloney grow and Tina call and all these amazing people, like the more I help them grow, they bring more revenue in the company and the company shares it back. And so it's truly like the epitome of if you help enough people get what they want in life, you can have anything you want. And and that's really what this company has allowed us to do. So we just obsess over how do we help more people? How do we pour in more people and do more? It's interesting because that's the first time EXP, the model has been explained that way, especially I guess to me or maybe to you as well. And it's funny because the name is actually short for expansion, right? Uh, there's a lot of stories about it, but it's there's a lot of powerful words that start with EXP. Okay. Right? Exponential expansion, expert expertise. Like there's a lot of words that are really powerful that start with that. But phrase. but that makes sense essentially with like the, the way that you're like the same systems and models are shared across the board with the same platform in EXP. But then well, the value you get from other members, partners essentially helps you grow, and then you share on the upside from there. And that makes a lot more sense in terms of um, like yeah. being able to expand. So fast forward is essentially in 50 states and in six countries, which is pretty amazing based off of what you guys have built. The reason I was going to say that it was so attractive to me was that the brokerage model is obviously dead, right? You know, the broker, we all realize that the broker, you know, you know, old man withers, the broker in town doesn't really do much for the agents anymore, right? And a lot of these agents now are sophisticated enough to grow their own team. You know, in my opinion, five, 10 years from now, it's just going to be a lot of big teams that are running, you know, all of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's not what it is already, right? Yep. Um, so the brokerage model is dead. So how can agents collaborate with other people 
without feeling like, you know, you're going to step on under the, on, on somebody else's toes. Yeah. Right? And now everybody's in line. Well, the biggest struggle is, is that there's magic pills all over the place, right? And then when you give value inside of an organization, right, that's you're partnered with, you're almost obligated to give them what works and not the Fugazi stuff, right? Because there's what you hear and what there's true. Um, and yeah. it's like right now, they're, if you're on social media, then they think that that's the way that you do business today, right? And the old ways have gone. And I know that's something that you wanted to talk about. Um, tell us about your point of view on this, Kyle. Well, here, I'll give you the, the social media strategy. Like if you want to know exactly how to crush with social media, never fucking post. <laughs> you don't need to create a single piece of content, Love no it. video, no nothing. Like you literally can just have one of those creeper profiles <laughs> that hasn't had a post in like six years because that is not the way. Like people get so obsessed with the vanity metrics of like how many likes did I get? How many followers? How many views? Like nobody cares. Like the only metric that really matters on social media is how many conversations did you engage? Right. Like instead of spending all this time thinking about <clears throat> what to post and shooting these videos and, and all this stuff, like if you took that same time and just solely went in and, and read other people's posts and engaged in conversations with them, it's like, you know, like, let's say John, your, your, your little girl scores a goal in soccer. It's like, Oh, John, congratulations. Like, was that her first goal this year? And you're like, no, no, she's actually scored six. I always knew she would be great. You know, how's the family? And like, we're having that. That is so much more valuable than any fucking TikTok video you're going to create. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to do. Like, if you want to be successful on social media, just do that. Just go and comment all day long. You don't need to post one piece of content. Yeah. You literally don't. Nobody cares because there's that saying, right? Like, nobody cares what you have to say until they know how much you care. Yeah. And so if you could actually show them you care by engaging with them in conversations, now you could put a post up and they'll actually pay attention to your post. But most of us are just like, they just want to post content, 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 content. They're not engaging in conversation with anybody, which is, is crazy to me. I mean, I'm at a point now where I'll put posts up and then if people do respond to it, then I'll DM them and I'll start engaging in conversation because now I've seen that they engage with a piece of content. And then I'm gonna go turn that into a conversation with them. I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, I got another heart. I got a whatever, like a thumbs up, I don't care. But now that opens the door for me to go have a conversation with people. So I think people aren't using social media to have conversations. They're just using it to like feed their egos. 100%. I had to stop him from doing a twerk video the other day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you didn't, you will never stop me. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. It, 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 it's so true. It, it, it's so it, it's so based about vanity. I think anybody who's about to post something just needs to say, okay, am I doing this for engagement purposes? Am I doing this to somehow improve my interactions with clients? Will I get interactions with clients, engagement? Or am I doing this just to, you know, build myself up, yeah. right? Is this going to benefit the seller or is this going to benefit me? No. Yeah, but everybody wants that, man. Like you go to any real estate conference, you, you know, you watch all these webinars, these podcasts, these YouTube channels, like, People know that the thing that sells is that if you could show them this new shiny object, this this new, you know, TikTok or Be Real is like the new one. They can tell you to get on something before anybody else. You can own the real estate in that space. Like they're just constantly selling on stuff because a lot of the real estate coaches have realized like you guys are Mike Ferry people. Like Mike is teaching the same thing today as he was 20 years ago. Yeah. A lot of the other coaches are the opposite of that. Like every time you go, they're telling you about a new thing. And now you're like pinballing all over the place. But guess what? You know who most of the 
the consistently successful agents are, are Mike Ferry agents, yep. right? Because it's, he's just teaching you that all you got to do is just have conversations with people. Like that's what it's all about. But everybody wants this magic button that they can hit that's going to just flow leads into their business. When in reality, if they would just go and have conversations with people, they wouldn't have to pay all these different lead providers. And we've been tracking our numbers, man. Like um, pay-per-click, our conversion rate is down to like almost, I think we're between a quarter and a third of a percent. And the cost is, you know, continuing to skyrocket on that stuff to where it's like, it doesn't really make sense. Um, but that's what everybody wants. They want to hear like, oh, you just pay money to this or sign up for that or, you know, create this video, like, and you're magically going to be successful. Like, that's not the reality of it. Like, it's funny. I've been in rooms of like thousands of people before and I'll ask like, hey, on a, on a scale of one to 10, how many people in this room can tell me unequivocally that your follow-up plan, your engagement plan for your sphere of influence is a 10 for all the people that you already know. And it's less than a percent every single time. Mm. Less than 1% of people will say that they have their follow-up with their database at a 10. But yet they're in the room hoping that they can learn about the new TikTok trend that they need to create. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you trying to, like, if you think about construction, like, you build a foundation first and then you go vertical. Everybody's trying to go vertical with no foundation. And if you ever try to build a house on sand, it's just going to collapse over time. But that's what everybody's trying to do. So it's crazy to me that people aren't focusing on the foundation first, making sure that their existing database is getting a 10 out of 10 before they put, you know, 10 out of 10 content out there. No, you're um, right. and, and so it always just amazes me at, at how much people are focusing on the wrong stuff. But and they're just getting sold every single day. So we're, we just really obsess. We were like on our team, we've been bringing it back to the basics heavily that we need to just stay focused on loving on our existing people um, first before we worry about anything else. Yeah, it's it's creative avoidance, right? People are creatively avoiding what they really have to do to, to do more business. Ricky Carruth had a post the other day. I'll share it here. It's... um. The, the premise I'll give you is he was talking about how people, same idea, people are avoiding, you know, getting on the phone, people are avoiding interaction. And he said last year, 200, I don't know if these stats are correct, but this is Ricky Carruth, 200 million leads were sold last year. He said there's 350 million people in the world or in the U.S. You take out the babies and the, you know, the, the old timers, you're down to 200 people. He's like, so the 200 million people, mm-hmm. all those leads were sold. All they sold you was the amount of people that are left in the U.S. <laughs> so it's every person that's available. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you could have just went on a website and downloaded that shit. And yeah, just right. Download everybody in San Diego. That, that's the premise, right? So it's it's wild, it's but it's so true. And I think that's that's a good segue. I mean, I, I was actually telling a story. I can't remember if it was on here or what, but there's a comedian, Papa. Did I bring this up on no. the last time? There's a guy on Netflix right now. He has a, a comedian has a special. His last name's Papa. I can't remember his first name. And he has this whole skit about how millennials right now, some of these younger realtors will say, right? They, if they're trying to order a pizza, they go on the Domino's mm-hmm. pizza app. If they can't get into the app and they can't get the app to work, they got to reset their password. They got to figure out their email. Then an email goes to their account. Then they get a code texted to their thing. They got to put the code in. All this just to order the pizza. They finally get into the app. They place the order for the pizza. 12 minutes later, they've ordered the pizza, right? But in reality, they could have just called the damn restaurant, right? Yep. So it's people 
it's just people do whatever they can to avoid actually interacting with someone, which yeah. is sad, but crazy. So I think the moral yeah. of this story is more interactions sounds old school, but back to the basics and get in front of more people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's most agents are posting more stories on their social feed in a day than they are making phone calls. Yeah. It's true. And if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, like that might be you. Yep. Like think about how many stories did you post in the last 24 hours and how many people did you call? If you posted more stories than you made phone calls, you are fucking it all up. <laughs> That's, That's a true. good point. My coach was telling me um, in November, he was like, everybody in the last two to three years has gotten fat and has gotten very comfortable in terms of like mentally. He was like, you need to go do everything that somebody will not do and you need to shock your system so badly that you're almost horrified to do the actions that you want to do because that's the actions you would have taken in a normal marketplace and not have just kind of drifted in the last couple of years and just everything would have worked for you. I think the fact that social media made everybody conscious of people being in the business and that was the only reason why, you know, some people who were posting during the, you know, last couple of years that we had would generate some kind of business, right? It was just because they'd be front of mind with certain people. Sure. But not engaging it or nurturing it isn't building a relationship with them to actually convert them into their own clients in a competitive market. Because at that point in time, everybody was a buyer. Yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest thing. And I think coming from a place of value and trying to actually go through that engagement and trying to build a relationship, it, all roads are going to lead back to the phone either way. Yeah. It's all about just getting engaged in conversations. People, they're too far concerned with views and likes. Yeah. We, uh, we actually had um, the author of Listing Boss, uh, Haas, Pratt. Haas Pratt, on a couple of weeks ago. And interestingly enough, in an event that we went to a couple months ago, um, there was a guy speaking right before Haas did. And uh, he goes and he's like, hey, I did 50 transactions last year, all through text. And he's pitching to everybody. Mind you, he was just like the guy in between introducing hosts uh, or speakers. And um, he was like, I did 50 transactions last year, all through text. The audience is like, wow. He's like, again, yeah. and I have a side hustle. I sell t-shirts. I do this, that, and the other. John and I are waiting for Haas Pratt to join. We're like, Who is, who's this fucking idiot? <laughs> what is he doing pitching to these people about text? He's like, yeah, you know, I book 600 appointments a year and I take 50. It's a 12% conversion rate. It's pretty dope. You guys got to do it. Then Haas comes on stage. He's just like, <laughs> all roads lead to the phone. <laughs> like, I don't know about this texting shit, but all, phone, all yeah. roads lead to the phone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think you can mix in the texting. You can work that in. If you could get, dude, if there's a way to get 50 more deals into my pipeline, I'm all for it. But that's got to be something that you're sprinkling on. Yeah. That's gravy. That's, you know, that's in addition to, you know, the traditional business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll take texting over social media posting. Like, I'll, I'll take that. At least that, that's still a form of conversation. It's not necessarily the best, but it's better than just posting, you know, on TikTok videos all day. You're sending text all day. I'd, I'd much rather have that. Yeah. Yeah. It, sometimes I feel like it's even better just to hire an admin to do the social for you because no yeah. matter what, your ego is going to get the best of you, even if you're doing the best. Like, you're going to be like, why did this one get 200 people like engaging with it and this one got four? You're like, what did I yeah. do differently? Now your brain starts just comparing and you're just sitting there because if there's a way to, to avoid doing the hard work, you're going to do that. So it's like maybe if someone else just handles that for you. Yep. And you just go through it. That's what the benefit of this is really honestly, like doing these podcasts, we get to have really high level conversations. And then after that, it gets to get recycled as many times as we want by whoever we choose. And we don't have to be so heavily involved in that aspect of like waiting for the responses. Right. But then after that, it's based on people responding. Like the intention of it really is for agent attraction. Right. 
So the agents that engage from there, then it makes it easier to communicate and have a relationship with them from there on. Well, and you're building, we're building relationship, right? The three of us are building relationship right now. So like we've done a lot of video content, but the video content we're doing is interviewing business owners yep. in my community. So while yes, it's a video, it's a relationship, yep. right? Like that, you see it as a video, I see it as a relationship. So when I moved into where I, I uh, the last city I lived in, I moved in there having known very few people, almost nobody. And within two years, I was the number one agent in the city. And it's because I interviewed a different business owner every week for two straight years. I did 100 episodes of the show, which meant I literally got a relationship with 100 business owners in my target city. Smart. Like that's powerful, right? Regardless, I don't care who watched the episode. That was like icing on the cake. Yeah. It was just the fact that I went in and was like, hey, let me do a video spotlighting your business. And now I did them a solid. Now I'm in a relationship with them. And let's be real, like business owners are the people who tend to have the most money. They have the most connections and they understand like the you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of mentality. So it's like, now I went in there and did them a solid. They want to now do a solid back, whether that's them transacting through me or referring somebody to me who's going to transact, like it leads to transactions and those relationships you can't take away from me. Mm. Like you could take my pay-per-click leads away from you. You could take my portal leads, my referral leads, like referral portals. You could take all that stuff away from me, but you can't take the relationships away. Um, so like if you're going to shoot video, that's my preferred kind of video is building relationships. It doesn't matter if anybody watches the video. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's smart. I mean, it, you know, I've always said it and I've actually never connected the dots. I've always said it. I love doing transactions with, you know, uh, business owners or people who have like a good business mindset mm. most of them don't mind if you're you know really persistent on your follow-up they're like this dude just wants my business right where if they're if they don't if they don't have that business mindset they're like oh man this is just you know this guy's driving me nuts but they sort of appreciate the hustle they appreciate you know your professionalism they appreciate all that so that's that's a different way to look at things for sure yeah. um, and then they'll refer you like crazy right like they get it they, they know that you just did them something. They want to do something back for you. Like that's just how business works. If somebody helps you out, you want to help them out in return. Um, and you appreciate, right? Like there's a new restaurant that just opened across the street. Like if I go and I write them a review, they're, they feel really good about it. So they're far more willing to write you a review, right? If you were send them new people to their business, they want to send new people to your business. So they, they reciprocate a whole lot better than, you know, the average person. I love that. So, Kyle, with a lot of having uh, the fast forward movement, I'm sure you have agents who are either killing it and you have maybe some in there who are struggling to do something. What, are, what is the common um, advice that you share with someone who's struggling to get, you know, adapting to this marketplace? Yeah, the biggest thing that I see, the degree of separation is just the amount of time from idea to execution. Like that's the biggest difference. That's where you're Colton, right? Which is the common denominator for us. Like that's what's helped him go his business 300 plus percent is that guy hears something on the mastermind and by the time the mastermind is done he's already either delegated that to somebody to execute on or he's built a plan to execute on it himself and so it's, it's the amount of time that you take from the idea to the execution how long does that take or does it just get stuck in your head and it never comes out mm. um, i think that's really where i see the difference between People. We have another guy, Jeremy Larson, in our group. Like we met him four years ago, solo agent. We just bumped into him at a, a Zillow conference, and he was solo. He did nine million the year we met him, 
and he executes like crazy, man. And he'll hit us up. Hey, I'm in town. Can I come just hang out? Can I sit in your office? Can I come to a meeting? Like he's a sponge and he'll come in and he'll take notes like crazy. And literally within the next week, he's already implemented all the stuff that he learned. So he went from 9 million to 30 in one year, 30 to a hundred and then a hundred over 200 million last year. Wow. Like that guy just executes like crazy. He's just taking the ideas and he's executing on them. So that's the biggest difference I've seen from like an average agent to somebody like a Colton or a Jeremy or a Tina Paul or some of these people as they execute so quickly on these ideas. That's what takes them to that next level. Would you say that you were pretty quick to execute? Yeah. And part of that though, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. And that's what holds a lot of people back from executing on things is they overthink the what if, the what abouts and oh my gosh, what am I going to do if this happens, that happens. So they just get stuck in analysis paralysis. You've got to understand, like think you're like a cat that just always lands on your feet. Like even if you get burned, it's fine. You're going to be, you're going to be okay. Like you have to make some mistakes or fail forward as they say. Yeah. Um, but part of the group, like the name fast forward for our group at EXP comes from the fact that by being in this group, you're surrounded by other people who are at where you want to get to or far past that. And if you can just learn from them, it's going to speed up or it's going to fast forward your ability to get where you want to go because people have already done what you want to do. And they're going to tell you like, Hey John, like I know you're thinking about doing this, but be careful. There's a landmine over there that you don't see right now. I ran into it. Here's a better way to do it. Go that way. Um, and so it fast forwards your ability to get where you want to go a whole lot faster and without hitting a whole bunch of landmines along the way. Um, and that's really the premise of what the group is, is, you know, we all pour into each other and help each other out and tell people like, Hey, here's, here's how I screwed it up. And here's how I did it the right way. And, and the more we can learn from each other. Now you don't have to make the same mistakes that I made. You don't have to make the same mistakes that Dan made, right? Like we're going to tell you the, the landmines before you run into them. There's there's a kind of a, a commonality. So between Tina Call, yourself, and Colton, the one thing that each of you said that resonates is you want to be a part of a group where you hear the mistakes and you become aware of the mistakes so that way you know exactly which route works. Um, that was one of Tina's best advices that she gave. That was one of Colton's, uh, I think he said that off record. He was like, you want to surround yourself with people who are telling you all the mistakes that they made and all the screw-ups that they've had. Yeah. And not not just the about the successes. Yeah, he's like, I don't and really most care. people won't do that, right? Like, who wants to get on stage and be like, "Yep, I fucked it up here, <laughs> fucked this up, and I fucked that up." Like, when you get told you're going to be on stage at something, like, you want to come up there and puff up your chest and look like you're a rock star. Like, most people won't get vulnerable. They won't be honest. You know, ninety percent of the people that are on stage are, are fluffing or or just flat out lying you know, because they want to look good on stage, you know, they get off stage and you start having some real conversations and you can see through the bullshit from a mile away. Um, so just be cautious too. Like, as you guys are hearing people speak or whatever, like don't take everything that these people say on stage as like the gospel, because they're probably inflating their numbers. They're probably, you know, adding some stuff in there that they've heard works and doesn't really work. Like, dude, I had a buddy of mine speak. He came into my office one time. And he gives this whole talk about, we do this, we do this, we do this. And we go to lunch. He's like, I don't do any of that shit. You're like, dude, you just talked to all my people. (laughs) You literally just told my team. He's like, well, I I thought that's what you wanted them to do. So that's what I told them I do. And it works. They would do it. I'm like, (laughs) but did it work though? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get what he was doing. He was trying to like, 
get them to do what I want them to do, even though he doesn't do what he said he does. Um, but dude, people are bullshitting all the time on stage. Yeah. And on social media, right? They're like people, I put a post up at the end of the year about like, you're not alone. Like so many people had a really rough year last year. Like it was hard for me. And I was admitted we lost money last year. Like it was my least profitable year I've ever had in real estate. But most people won't admit that, right? They don't want to look weak. Like people look at me, they're like, oh, you saw these homes. Like, no, last year was fucking hard. Like it was a really hard year. But what happens is they're comparing themselves to everybody else who's posting their highlight reel on social media and they're not keeping it actually real. It's just their highlight yeah. reel. Um, and so like, that's the hard part is, and I think social media just screws with a lot of our brains. Is like, we think that everybody's life is all sunshine and rainbows because we see their highlight reel on social. Very few people will post negative stuff and talk about failures and talk about that. They didn't make money. Like most people won't do that. Yeah. That's yeah. It, that's why in the Mike Ferry organization, we, we naturally, it, it, it was hard. It was like, you're told you're not going to, it's not going to be easy. You're going to struggle. You're going to have to hustle. You're gonna have to work really hard to get there. And that's what was more attractive to it because it's like, this is raw. It's not like here's the magic formula you're going to get to. And that's what really made Colton a very attractive sponsor for us because he was very vulnerable, even with his personal story. And we're like, yeah. if he could be that vulnerable and personal about his personal life, he'll be that open with everything else because he's not, he's not letting his ego get in the way of just telling people what they want to hear because that's not where growth happens. Totally. And that's, that's the same thing that you, you know, have the same way. So it's, we appreciate that too. Um, what's one big piece of advice if your 20 year old self gave you a call right now and asked you, what would that be the one biggest piece of advice you'd give? Start by joining a team. Uh, don't try to do it on your own. I wish I joined a team earlier. Um, and even if I moved to a new city today, like if I moved to Nashville, um, Gary Ashton crushes in Nashville, like I would join his team. Knowing everything I know, having sold 4,000 homes, I would still go join a team today. You don't want to learn on your own dime. Learn on somebody else's dime. <laughs> Understand that somebody has gone through so many trials and tribulations to build this team that they have built, that it will take you so long to build the same thing. Don't try to do it on your own. Try to have this big ego. Just learn on somebody else's time. Join the team because they're going to come in. They're going to have systems and they're going to have processes that are going to get you into momentum and doing transactions so much faster than if you try to do it on your own. But a lot of people let their ego get in the way and they don't want to be a part of somebody else's team. They don't want to be a team member. They want their own name on everything. Like just check your ego at the door, be humble and learn under somebody else who's proven don't join a team that's just getting up and running i think that's a bad idea join a team that's proven that's been around for years it's been you know top dog in town for you know three four or five years minimum like join that team and you're going to get into momentum and doing transactions so fast you're actually going to have fun and you'll be around there's a reason that you know depending on what studies you hear 80 90 percent of agents fail in the first few years because they try to do it on their own so go learn from somebody else and, and you might stay on the team forever. I got, I got a guy on my team who's been with me 10 years wow. and he's very happy. He makes the amount of money he needs to make to live the lifestyle he wants to live. He's a big contributor. He helps out and he's great. You know, he could go on his own. He knows how to do it, but he just doesn't want to take on the financial risk, the headaches, the stress. He knows that I'm going to just, I'm going to go do all the research for him and then bring him what he needs to go and be successful. And you might be that guy. You also might be the person who comes on the team for a couple of years and you're like, cool, this was really valuable. I appreciate it. You paid your dues. And now you go start your own team after a couple of years. That's cool too. 
Um, but I would start on a team. Like check your ego at the door, find a badass team in your area, and join them. Mm. That's golden. It, it it's almost like um, you know, you were talking about not, you know, you know, not not learning on your own dime, learning on someone else's dime, and, and that's how I sort of relate the whole the whole fast forward movement, right? Like we're learning through other people's mistakes, right? So instead of starting your own team from day one and having your own mistakes, your own failures, your own massive expenses, right? Of running your own team, mm -hmm. you join someone else's team, you don't have all those headaches. You join, you know, a movement or a, an upline like like fast forward and you can learn from all those other mistakes too. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just another form of collaboration. And exposure to what works and what doesn't so that we don't make the same mistakes over and over again. Recreating the wheel is a, is a thing that salespeople love to do, I feel. It's true. It's mm -hmm. an addiction everyone has because they don't want to ask for help, which is the ego situation that comes into play yeah. at all times. Ego is our biggest enemy. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, this has been extremely valuable. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, man. If anybody wants to uh, connect with you, reach out to you, uh, I'm hesitant to say do so on Instagram, but you tell me. <laughs> yeah. No, so Instagram is good at Kyle Whistle, or if you go to thewhistleway.com, thewhistleway.com, you can subscribe to our podcast, our YouTube channel on there. Um, you can join our, our referral network for all the people leaving California. You can get in our private Facebook group. We share a lot of stuff in there. And you can also get on our email uh, newsletter where we share some of the stuff we're doing in the office as well. So thewhistleway.com. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you again, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We, you know, I, I indirectly wanted to thank you for, for all the, um, you know, insight and stuff that you've shared again, indirectly through Colton, through Mark, through, you know, everybody that was a part of us coming over. So yeah, was, cool. uh, you guys coming in March. Uh, so there's another event in San Diego in March, right? Yeah, so we got James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, number one selling book in the world in 21, um, coming to headline an event for us in March. So that's fastforwardconference.com, and that's a public event for anybody who's interested. So fastforwardconference.com, James Clear is our headliner. We struck the check for serious amount of money, uh, well over six figures to have him come. Holy crap. One we brought the best. So I'm super excited for that event in March. Awesome, man. Yeah, we'll do everything we can to be there. Yeah, I absolutely. saw you posted something on Slack today about the hotel or, or recently about the hotel. And I was actually trying yeah. to find some more information. So I'm glad we, we talked about that. Awesome, man.